Take a more view, please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. <clears throat> it's not unusual for me to be asked by guests, either in a worship service or when people are on our campus, about the crosses that do, the two crosses that hang on both sides of me right now. These, uh, we hung these almost 14 years ago to this day. It was a sermon series, the very first sermon series I did when I came to preach at this church. It was called Life Reframed. I was walking the church through the Gospel of Luke. We spent nine months in the Gospel of Luke, and we asked you to donate frames in your house because a frame is what holds the stories of our lives. And the whole idea is that the stories of our lives, they all come together with the cross. The cross is what holds us all together. So we hung those thinking they would just be props for a sermon series, and now 14 years later, they still hang, and the truth is still there. Our stories today come together at the cross. Uh, I, there's a story I tell. I've told it here years ago. I tell the story a lot of times when I have a chance to travel. I want to recap the story because I want to tell about two responses I've received to the story, all right? And the story is I was asked by a friend early on in my preaching career to go preach for him. It was a church of 15 people. It was a sanctuary, a worship center that could hold about 250, yet the 15 still sat in the pews they had been sitting in for decades because that's what we do in the church, right? I went prepared to teach a combined class and to preach a sermon. And when I showed up, I also found out I was a song leader for the day. I had the opening, closing prayer, the prayers for the bread, cup, and offering. And because of lack, a lack of mobility in the room, I was the only one who could pass trays to 15 people who were scattered all over a worship center that could hold 250. I did everything, which was fine. I'd been, I've, been, I've done most of that stuff most of my life except leading singing. And I'll never forget when I was trying to move my hand to a song because that's what I was, you know, I'd always seen people do that. Apparently I wasn't doing it the right way. Casey, we were newly wed. She was sitting on the fourth row. I'll never forget her putting a hand in the air while I'm singing. She's on the fourth row, putting another hand on top of it and making a motion down. <clears throat> her way of saying, please don't like move your hand during, you know, leading these songs anymore. All right. So, so I went through the rest of the service without moving my hand, but there was a guy in that worship service, his name was Cowboy, and Cowboy slept through everything. Cowboy didn't just sleep through the sermon, he slept through the songs, he slept through the prayers. I had nudged him to woke him up to give him, to give him the bread, and he fell asleep before I could even get the cup to him. He slept through everything, and after church, Cowboy was coming down the center aisle, and I could tell, this guy's about to shake my hand and say, great job, young man, and I was prepared to respond with, what was your favorite part? How did you experience God this morning? Because I knew he had slept through everything, but he slipped me a $50 bill so I decided to let it go all right so I have been I've been paid off before all right so here's the thing all right a lot of times I tell that story when I preach at churches who have two services and one of them starts at 8 a.m. I preached at a church back in a, a few months ago that has an early service at 7:45. I know some of you would love those early a.m. services so it fits when I preach at a church it has a really early service or I'm preaching at a college event or a youth event that starts at like 10 p.m. I often tell that story and just kind of joke like hey I've been paid off before so I take 10s 20s 50s hundreds it doesn't matter all right and everybody kind of gets to laugh. I told this story in Dallas a few years ago. What I didn't know is there was a guy in that church who had not been to church in over 20 years. He kind of walked away from God. His brother kept inviting him to church, so he decided to come to church that morning. It was a church in that early service, 8 a.m., so I told that story. After church, he came up to me with tears in his eyes, and he told me, he said, I've been away from church for 20 years, and I can't tell you how much God worked in my life this morning through the words you had to say. And he said, because God has touched my heart and my life, I feel like I need to do something. So you told a story about a guy giving you $50, and I reached in my pocket, and here's all I have to give you. And I thought to myself, I don't trust myself right now to use this money for the good of God in the world, but I trust you. 
and he gave me $180. Which my first thought was, I've got to tell this story for the rest of my life. It's gone from 50 to 180, like what, what's next? But, you know, for him to say, you know, I trust that you'll do good with it, man, I can't go take my wife to go buy a steak, all right? So I know as a family, we got creative with it. So, but, but his whole idea, like God has touched me, and somehow I've got to do something for the world. Back in July, I was preaching in August. I told the story again. It was an early church, early service at a church, and a guy came up to me afterwards, and he says, I got to tell you what's happened in my life the last few months. He said he had been reaching out to this guy and had developed a friendship with him, but this guy was one of those dudes who was needy, and it was like every time he texted or called, he would create this crisis, and then he would like drop everything he had to do to go hang out with his friend, and he would go to him, and the guy was just lonely. And then, you know, the guy would often ask for money because he, he just had some needs in his life, and there was compassion fatigue, which I know some of us have, ex have experienced at some point in our lives, just Compassion fatigue. So he began trying to avoid the guy at all costs, like try to ignore his phone calls. And, and then this guy said he was having this moment in prayer with God one day. He was just seeking the face of God, seeking the heart of God. And in that prayer time, he sensed the Lord say, you know that guy you've been avoiding for a few weeks? I want you to write a $200 check, and I want you to give it to him. And he said, I didn't know what to do with that. And I've talked about it with you before sometimes. Like sometimes like these things happen in prayer times and you don't know if it's your mind playing tricks on you or is this God who's actually prompting you to do something. But sometimes when you get these really specific things in your head, like should you act upon it or not? And, and it was very specific in this prayer time. I want you to write a $200 check and I want you to take it to that guy. That afternoon, this guy he had been avoiding texted him and said, can you come by my house? I need to talk to you. So then he starts putting it together, like, okay, did God, he asked me to give him this check, and now this guy reached out to me. I didn't reach out to him. And he said he showed up at the house, and when he showed up, the guy had tears in his eyes, and the guy said, I, I'm behind on my utility bills. Is there anything you can do to help? And the guy said, how much do you need? And the guy said, $196. And he said, you won't believe this, but I was in a prayer time earlier today when I sensed the Lord tell me I needed to write you a $200 check. It's right here in my pocket and gave him a $200 check. Now, what happens in life? when we, Just little things, like when we remember, and where we live from, live from a place of gratitude, of God has done something for me, and what God has done for me is not just for me to store in my closet or to hoard to myself, but I, I'm, I'm supposed to be a blessing to the world too. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, and I just want to read the first phrase to you real quick. It says this, praise be to the God and Father. Can we say that together? Even those on, of you online, join me real quick. Praise be to the God and Father. All right, this is a Jewish way to pray, and I'm going to show you this in just a few moments. I'm not going to show you a lot of Psalms today, but you can open up the Psalms or just like Google this phrase, and it's going to pop up. Some of your versions may say it's, you know, blessed, blessing or speaking blessed to God the Father, but praise be to God the Father. It was a Jewish way to pray, and some people believe that this was a phrase that was used at the Eucharist, at the Lord's table, at communion, that when the early church would come together, they would recite things like this, like, Praise be to God the Father. And then what would happen from there is, it's a statement about who God is. It's a statement about what God does. And it's a statement of how we receive from God. So let me show you real quick how this plays out, just in the life of Paul. 
when Paul wrote Ephesians, if you go to this next slide, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Paul says this, Praise be to God the Father. Now listen, it's about who God is, what God does, and then how we receive something from God. It's praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And you can even work it backwards. Because I am called to be holy and blameless, here's what God has done in my life. Because God has done this in my life, here is who God is. You got it? Now Paul's not the only one who does this. Peter does too. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's about who God is, what God does, and then how we receive this from God. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, here's what Paul writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you make notes in your Bible or you circle things, I want you to notice how many times the word comfort is about to show up in just five verses. Praise be to the God and Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So the way Paul puts it, it's almost like this never-ending game of pay it forward. This is what you have received from God, and since you have received it from God, this is what you pass on to the world. It's this never-ending game of pay it forward. There were six high school students in Michigan. They went to Lake Orion High School. They played football. These six guys went to the local cafe one night for dinner. They were there for dinner, and someone paid for their meal. And they decided when that happened, they wanted to start a movement. So they decided to pay for someone else's meal in the restaurant. And this movement continued for 24 hours in that small little cafe where 30 different family units had their meal paid for and paid for someone else's meal. 30 other family units left enough money in a jar that the restaurant used to pay for 30 more meals for family units who came in. Just six guys who received something from someone else and decided that this is not just going to be a thank you, I want to do something for someone else too. In St. Petersburg, Florida at a Starbucks back in 2014, Someone went through the drive-thru and decided to pay for the coffee behind them. And when they did, little did they know, they were starting a movement that would last for 11 hours, which would include 377 people who would pay for the car behind them. Now, raise your hand if you got some Starbucks in the house just this morning. I know a few of you do, right? I know some of us, we go through Starbucks and we get the $2, you know, we just get the coffee. But I know some of you don't do Starbucks that way. Some of you, when you go to Starbucks, it's, I mean, it's flavor and personality, right? I mean, it's, that's how you do coffee. It's not just $2, it's $18. You better enjoy every single bit. And I don't know exactly how it went down as these people pay for the people behind them because I know everybody doesn't just get coffee there. Some of you also get the little, little uh, pastries or you get the little protein pops. Some people call them cake pops. I call them protein pops, all right? They're, it's probiotics, all right? Trust me, I mean... 
But for 377 vehicles, for over 11 hours, that somebody did something for me and I want to do something for somebody else. In Indiana, at a McDonald's, just a few years ago, somebody did the same thing. They paid for the car behind them, and it was a movement that would last three and a half hours. It would include 177 people who would pay for the car behind them. And I bet most of us, if we were in one of those lines and somebody paid for our meal, I think most of us would pay for the people behind them, but I also think most of us would look in the rearview mirror just to see what vehicle is behind us, right? Is it... Is it a 15-passenger youth group van? Because if so, I'm, I don't know if I feel that generous today, but you just get, get caught up in this movement where somebody did something kind to me and I did something kind for someone else. Like, it's stories like this that are good for us to hear. Like, there really is kindness in the world. Like, there really is good in humanity because as these movements happen in the cafe and definitely at Starbucks and McDonald's, like, people are buying meals and drinks and coffee for people who they, they don't even know who they are. I mean, you had white people buying for blacks and blacks for whites and old for young and young for old and gay for straight and straight for gay. And I mean, and, and who knows what else? It was like, hey, someone did something kind for me and now I'm going to do something kind for someone else. And I think this morning Jesus would love to stand in front of us and say something like, nobody should outpay it forward more than the church does. All right, McDonald's and Starbucks, it's great. We need those, those stories of kindness and goodness in the world, but nobody should outdo how the church receives something and gives something. Receive from God and extend it to the world. This is what we do. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it's called 2 Corinthians because this isn't the first letter Paul writes to the churches of Corinth. We have two of them, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Some people believe there are up to at least seven letters that were written to the churches of Corinth. Like Paul had a close relationship with them. So for the second letter he writes to them, early on he talks about this. He talks about, hey, the comfort you've received from God is something you pass on to other people. But 1 Corinthians, the first letter he wrote, it didn't begin with that kind of tone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he starts talking about how there's a lot of division in the church. And it goes like this in verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me, and I'm sure when they're reading this, people are like, we knew Chloe was a tattletale. We knew she would tell other people. It's my, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. Like here, just in those first few verses, Paul is saying, man, there's so much division among you. Like you guys are like jockeying of like who baptized who. So just in these small churches, you had all of these groups who were like divided against one another. So Paul writes 1 Corinthians with a lot of it trying to argue that we are one body. You don't come into a church with all these different Divisions among us, we come together as a body. Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, we're in this together. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are these two verses, 12 and 13, where Paul says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. 
So when Paul's making a point about unity in the church, he talks about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Which I like to think about baptism as a place where we make, make vows and we exchange vows with, with God. Like you say yes to us and in baptism we are saying yes to God. And I like to think about communion, the bread and the cup, as a place where we renew our vows. Like every week we're given an opportunity where we renew them. Like Jesus, I need to be reminded that you have said yes to me. You have said yes to humanity. And right now in this bread and cup, I am renewing my vow to you. I am saying yes to you. I want to live out what it means for me to speak a yes to Christ. And we've called this Baptism Sunday, and I'm grateful for three different conversations I've had with people, and they're not going to be baptisms today, but three different family units who are having conversations with people. I know the Hardys this past week, you know, Cadence has been talking about baptism, and they were going to wait until Baptism Sunday, and then they were going to be out of town, and then Cadence said on Wednesday, like, I am ready right now. We don't need to wait So Wednesday night, and I do have a photo of Cadence being baptized Wednesday night, and I know a number of you were able to participate in this moment with them. And after I preach this morning, we will celebrate one baptism this morning. And when we witness baptisms, we're reminded of Jesus had said yes to us, and we, we speak our yes to Jesus. And when we take the bread and the cup, we're reminded of we say yes to Jesus, and in saying yes to Jesus, we're reminded we're one body, all of us, one body. And what we have received from God is what we give to each other. I was at lunch with a member of this church a few years ago. And as we were at this lunch, the lady who was serving us, a young, young woman, she was serving us. Before we prayed, we just said, ma'am, we're about to pray over this meal, and we don't know if you're a woman of faith or not, but we're about to pray, and would you like for us to pray with you? Church, this is a very easy, simple way for you to bless other people. Because here's the thing, if they say no, guess what? You can pray for them anyway, right? And they never have to know about it. You're just asking the blessing of God to be on them. And if they say yes, who knows what kind of opportunity it could open up. So this woman began sharing with us that her mother, I believe at the time, was dealing with stage 4 cancer. And she was the caretaker for her mom. And they were behind on bills. bills. So we had a chance to minister to her, to even pray with her. And then this person I was with paid for my lunch. And as he paid for my lunch, I could see that when it came to the tip, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And this wasn't just the, do I give 20 or 25%. And he ended up leaving a $100 tip for this young lady. And when she saw it, she wept. And what this person told me is, Josh, I have received so much from God. Like, I, ha I have something to bless other people with. I remember when my sister died in 2010. It was the day before she died. She died on February 22nd. February 21st, I was on this stage preaching here. And after church, I sat down right here to my right. I was on these steps with a friend in the church who was sitting next to me. And he began telling me, uh, because at that point we knew that uh, it was just a matter of time until my sister breathed her last breath. And he began telling me that he, uh, his wife had uh, been in the hospital at one point, and she was fine now. But when she was in the hospital, they weren't sure if his wife was going to make it. And he began telling me, and just kind of in the moment, recalling stories of people who had ministered to him, and who had brought food, and who had, who had given money. And he was like, I just remember how people took care of me. And he said, and you know what, I remember this one guy who came, and he just took money in his pocket and just gave it to me. And he said, I'm going to do that right now. Reaching in his pocket and just gave me some money. He was like, I don't know what else to do in this moment. I just know that in my life I've been blessed, and I want to give. I want to be a blessing to other people. 
And I remember a few years ago when we did what we called a give and take offering in this church. And it was a great risk that we did. Some of you remember this. Where we had a couple of buckets and we just asked people, I stood up in a sermon, I asked people just to come and place cash, coins, you could even write checks and leave it the blank, uh, uh, leave it blank, place them in, in buckets. And in a moment, within just a few minutes, $10,000 had been placed in buckets. But the thing was, this was a give and take offering, and at every penny, we wanted to go to our members to care for their needs. And I remember no one was coming to get money. I mean, this takes a lot of risk, right? There's embarrassment that could be in it. And how are people going to judge me? And I remember I stood up and was like, we're going to stay in this church and we're going to sing songs until all the money is gone. And people started moving then, all right? They, they started moving. And what was really cool is we had members who took the hands of people they knew were in need and took them to buckets. Every penny was gone. And for months after that, I received testimonies from people. And I remember one woman that morning, she wasn't sure if he, she wanted to come to church or not because she had some bills that were unpaid, some hospital bills, medical bills. And she came to church that day having looked, knowing that she had $356 of bills that she needed to pay, and she didn't know how she was going to pay them. And that morning she went to a bucket, took some cash, just put it in her purse. She went home and counted it out. It came out to $360 paid for the bills that she woke up that morning not knowing that she was going to have the money to pay for them. And there are these moments you're going to have in your life even this week to be reminded God has done so much for us. God's done so much for you. And we don't just hoard what we have been given, we extend it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, I just want you to notice this. If you go to this uh, 2 Corinthians, that second to last slide, If you have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. <clears throat> what it says is this. It says, brace peace to the God. And I want you to see this. The God and Father. And it's like Paul is going to start out talking about God, how's God the Father, and then he comes back to both of those names. So it's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then when he circles back around to both the names, it's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Like the father of compassion, the, the one who birthed compassion, who helped compassion mature, like extends compassion to everybody, the father of compassion. Beautiful way to make the statement. And then the God of all comfort, not just the God of some comfort or the God of like soul comfort, but I mean the God who provides comfort for the body, the mind, the soul, relationships, the God of all comfort. Like this is who God is. This isn't everything God is, but this is a great way to think about God. The Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And then if you go to this last slide on here, I want you just to notice this. That who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. And if you go to that very last slide, there are two things I want you to notice and take home with you. That we receive from God in verse 4. And in verse 5, it's our comfort abounds through Christ. It's a limitless supply of it. So back to Starbucks and McDonald's real quick. Because I wonder what it was like to be number 378 at Starbucks. Right, that this line had been going for 11 hours, 377 people, and who is it that broke the chain? 
Like, was it someone who looked behind them and there was a minivan and they just didn't want to pay for it? Or was it someone who just received it and said thank you? And how shocked was the staff after handing receipts to the next car when that person just drove off? Or who was number 178 at McDonald's? Who had, for 177 cars, they had paid for the person behind them, yet they broke the chain. And today, as we take communion, the bread and the cup, don't break the chain today. That there's a movement of God, a gift of God that comes to you. Receive it. And leave this place today blessing the world. I want to ask our prayer leaders to go where you're going to receive people this morning. I know Wayne Ray is our elder who's going to be up front to receive you for prayer. If there's anything, we can pray over you. Lenora is going to be over here to my right. Lieberniece is over here to my left. I don't know who the elder is in the back, but we'll have one elder in the back to receive you this morning. And I don't know what it is you need today, church, and how you respond to what you read in 2 Corinthians 1. Some of you are in need of comfort that comes from God. And for you to have that comfort, you need to ask for it and you need to receive it, to open up a heart, hands, a mind, to receive the comfort that can come from God. And, and I encourage you maybe to use one of these places today, to go to one of these leaders. Just say, I am in need of comfort for my soul. I'm in need of comfort for my mind. And maybe what you need is just a challenge and the reminder that Jesus has worked so good at you. And the blessing he has given you, he's going to give you so many opportunities this week to be a blessing to other people. And if you're in need of baptism today, if this is something you have not done before in your life, will you talk to one of us about it? We would love to talk to you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So over the next couple of minutes, I'm going to pray a prayer and then we're going to move to the table to receive the bread and the cup and then we're going to stay in a moment of prayer for a few minutes after that. So for the next six to seven minutes, you have an opportunity to go to one of our prayer leaders, receive communion, pray with other people in this room if you need to pray with them. And right now, will you bow your heads and close your eyes? For God, we thank you for being a great giver for being a God who doesn't hoard all of your good gifts, but you dispense it upon us and how we receive them today. Fill our hearts with gratitude. Make us aware of your movement in our lives, and I pray that you will give us the courage to extend it to other people this week. Jesus, when it comes to pay it forward, we thank you that you have paid the price for all of us. You've paid the price. And now continue to invite us to partner with you and how you want to spread your goodness all over this world. For all you have done, for the salvation that has been extended to us through the offering of yourself on the cross, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.